Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, wherein two early 40s curmudgeons stare down the prospect of their rapidly impending entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host. My name is Noah Tarno. I am the founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And with me, as per usual... Dot, dot, dot. Is Bill Scurry. But no, I, I have to, I got to tell you, though, yeah. in like two weeks is my yeah. birthday. I'm getting very close to mid four. Oh. I'm getting very close to mid 40s. No, we're not. We're not mid yet. We're not mid yet. It's going to be, it's going to be 43. I'm just saying. We're not, no, we're, we're, it rounds down. 43 rounds down to 40, my friend. No, I am going to start wearing costume jewelry and makeup and telling people <laughs> I am 39 again. I am going to keep doing that. Until I'm playing canasta at the home in 30 years. So today, today's topic, uh, as I mentioned in the last couple episodes, I recently uh, befriended a 12-year-old from Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico, named Ainsley Rushing. She suggested a book series, or actually a series of series that I had heard of but didn't know much about, uh, the Percy Jackson and the Olympians book series, primarily the first entry, which is already 13 years old, The Lightning Thief. Uh, so The Lightning Thief was written in 2005 by author Rick Reardon. Um, and it's, you know, it's sort of in the tradition of these modern fantasy novels for kids, uh, e.g. Artemis Fowl and The Hunger Games and, of course, Harry Potter. Rick Reardon had been a middle school Greek mythology teacher. I did not know that middle school budgets could still afford dedicated Greek mythology teachers. He mostly teach English. Wasn't he- that kind of his bailiwick? I, maybe, I'm sure, something like that. And uh, he was thinking of mythology stories to tell his own son, and he stumbled upon the idea of a 12-year-old boy who discovers he is a demigod. Uh, his name is Percy Jackson. He's the son of Poseidon. And in the first book, The Lightning Thief, he discovers this. He finds himself at a summer camp for demigods. Camp Half-Blood leads to him going on a quest along with a satyr and another demigod to find Zeus's stolen lightning bolt. It's inspired several other books, uh, I believe a total of nine or ten books, uh, a couple side series that have tacked onto it. Uh, the Lightning Thief was adapted into a movie in 2010, starring Alexandra Daddario, star of the best music video of the last five years, Judy French by White Reaper. Watch it. It is awesome. Uh, also a movie of one of the sequel books, 2013. There was a musical, The Lightning Thief, in 2014. It has, of course, sold millions of copies in many languages around the world. So we decided to take a look at this, and uh, I read the first quarter of The Lightning Thief. How much did you read, Bill? I think I only made it to about 60, page 60 of the, uh, the Lightning Thief. Page 60, that's not bad. All right, that's that's close to where I got. So let's talk about this. Bill, what do you think of the Lightning Thief? I think the book was terrible, but I, I was trying to mention this to you offline last night, or, or we were kind of texting about this midday yesterday, and I was saying that I'm looking at something that is designed for ages like 8 to 13, I think. Maybe age 10 okay. to 13. And, and you are a noted child hater. Yeah, but I mean, it's one one thing to hate children, which I do very easily, but it's another thing to punch through Richard Reardon's prose, which was another thing. And I I felt like the prose was very halting. My brain was rejecting it because it didn't flow very easily. It was all filled with summaries and very few scenes up front. And it was a lot of telling and almost no showing whatsoever. Look, this would be a problem if I was reading Gone Girl or, or... you know, Borges or something like that. The fact that this is a story that is written like... Wow, those are two 
very different examples. <laughs> yeah, but they are, but they they have they have a uh, showing and telling in common. This was designed for I guess it's closer to Judy Bloom. I mean, maybe even it's closer to Marvel Comics, the stuff that I was reading when I was a kid. Which is why I kept trying to like downgrade and think, all right, what what is the eight year old, ten year old brain? How is it going to read this stuff differently than I'm reading it? I'm Johnny sophisticated here, and I, I'm I'm putting this stuff down because it's written in such a way for a lower reading comp level. I may not have liked it, but that doesn't mean it's not appropriate. That doesn't doesn't mean that it wasn't actually executed well for exactly who the target is. It did make it very difficult to get into the story. I felt like I was just being kept at arm's reach by uh, character names that are kind of silly. And, you know, what I've read from, from J.K. Rowling, you know, like her prose is was a little more skillful. I feel like there was a little more art to what she was doing. And I feel like she was, and not only that, she's writing for the same age group. And it's not fair to compare other people to, to J.K. Rowling because she's kind of a master at the form, or at least became a master at the form. But let's put it this way. The writing itself, not that any kid reading this is really going to give a shit about that. The writing I had a problem with. But this guy stumbled on an idea that is just about a platonically perfect solid. How... How, yeah. how comic book, what he essentially did was turn the Avengers or turn the Greek pantheon into the Avengers and mixed a little bit of like the Power Rangers into it, you know, where the idea that these these kids discover totemic abilities and it, in, it's very much quantified like you're reading the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. It's like enhanced stamina, breathe underwater, run faster. It's, it's like they have a power set right out of the comic books. And so it's like, I don't know if like Homer would think of his portrayals of the gods in the epic poetry as this idea. It's like, here's the complement of Poseidon's abilities. Here's a listing of exactly what he could do. But it makes a lot of sense that if you're going to translate quite literally what you see them doing in epic poetry, that you would think of it like a power set, that you you would uh, almost like convert it over to pop fiction type superhero power fantasies. When you're working in, like, you can cameo just about everything that you have in the Greek mythology, which is great because it's apparent that this guy really does know what he's talking about. He he casts his yeah. characters really well. I mean, it's like a deep bench of things that even I don't know about. I'm, I'm far from an expert on Greek mythology. He's hitting the, the, the arcana of it. If you know what you're talking about, if you're really, like, ex- expert at, at, at Bullfinch's mythology, this is going to be very satisfying because he's scouring the corners for little curlicues and, and recovery. Coco touches to the mythology. The mythology came first. I think the comic books are a play in the mythology. And it's, you know, yeah, it's a yeah. snake eating its own tail at this point or something. I didn't get the comic book comparison so much. I don't think, it didn't feel like the handbook of the Marvel Universe to me. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I actually thought this was pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's written for kids. And you're right, the prose is a little choppy. But I was drawn in, in a way that, uh, you know, I've never been particularly into Greek mythology, even though I was into superheroes. I was drawn in. My my biggest criticism, I guess, apart from the, the prose being choppy, is that it really feels like, it's a harsh term, but okay, it feels like a Harry Potter ripoff. Because, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, look, Rowling, you're right, Rowling's a better writer. These books are based on the exact same fantasy, which, by the way, is also a fantasy of a lot of superheroes. It's the adolescent or pre-adolescent power fantasy. And man, these these spell it out. I mean, the superhero I, I, I most think of is Captain Marvel, meaning the Shazam Captain Marvel. Yeah. Like the idea that like you're, you're a regular kid, you're powerless, 
You're stepped upon. Spider-Man has a lot of this too. You have no power, which is how most 11, 10-year-old kids feel, certainly how I felt. And then this bolt from the blue almost comes down and says, you are special, you do have power, you are destined. I mean, Harry Potter spells it out crystal clear. And this book is like, hey, what if we do Harry Potter, but instead of wizards, it's, you know, ancient mythology. I mean, it is literally, it sounds like it was created by a computer. And I think Reardon's <laughs> writing, well, but, but, but here's where I give him credit. I think Reardon's writing elevates the idea above what it could be. He's got a, he's got a good sense for the descriptive. I, I find it easy to imagine the scenes, the fight scenes, the characters. I feel like uh, however far I'm into it, like 80 pages or whatever, I've gotten a little into Percy's head. I give him credit for the fact that um, apparently when he was coming up with these stories for his kid, his kid's got ADHD and dyslexia. So Percy has ADHD and dyslexia, and he works it in that like that like affects his powers and some nonsense like that. I didn't really pick up on that. It seemed like a good effort on from my point of view. I'm really glad you brought up the J.K. Rowling. I mean, the not just the writing yeah. skill, but the actual carbon copy aspect of it, because that, that yeah. actually bothered me. I mean, a it's lot. called Camp Half Blood. Isn't there a, a, a I, Harry Potter book called The Half Blood or Half Blood Prince? Right? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. This 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 oh, thing Jesus. actually trumpets the word half-blood all over everything and it's like you've yeah. got to be kidding me bro there isn't yeah. sing- there's not a single better thing that you could have done with this other than quite literally use one of the terms that that jk jk rowling had like invented it, it could have been harvey potter and harvey <laughs> porter, harvey and, porter. The, and the 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 method of the <laughs> <laughs> the Griffin or something like that. I don't know. The idea that the the fever had hit us all had hit us already. We were already on board. So he's he's writing this in 2005, which is still flush. You're talking about it's still and the heat of the phenomenon had not cooled down. She was in the middle probably or the the back half of the the books series. Maybe she was just about to finish uh, the Deathly Hallows. I think the Deathly Hallows came out in 2007. This really does seem like maybe he had a good idea, but he fused it. And he was heavily influenced by J.K. Rowling. I understand that if you go and look at something that works, everyone immediately goes and rips it off a hundred ways. I mentioned Gone Girl. This is one of those things that my, like my wife tells me about this because she's an, a voracious reader. Gone Girl took the world by storm, to use a stupid cliche. It was this incredible book that did something that a lot of books had never done before. It was so popular. It was such a world beater for the author, Gillian Flynn. Every single other imitative writer came out of the woodwork and started scratching up the same tree. They wrote pale imitations that lacked whatever it was that made Gone Girl, in, in specific, really good. But it told nearly the same exact stories. They were thematically heavily similar. And the thing is, no one ever went penniless publishing them. And people continue to write piles of these things every year because people suck them up. They are ripoffs. They are imitators. And they're yeah. not nearly as good. They don't have the spark. Of, but, but it's like no one ever pays the price for a lack of vision, to quote Emperor Palpatine. I th- you know, that's <laughs> this is just one of those things. How is she not going to get ripped? How, you know, how is, is Rick, Rick Reardon not going to get punished. I mean, he he got rewarded for ripping off Harry Potter. Mom, what are you doing? This is as far as I can go. Come on. I can't go through. I'm not like you. Look, I'm not leaving without you. You have to. You're meant to. Uh, why, Why do we think this is caught on? Well, my, my first uh, gloss is to say that it was capturing the spirit of Harry Potter. Not, I mean, yes, you mentioned that, but I feel like when you are in between Harry Potter books, and if you're looking for something to have a continuance, if you're looking for something that's not Harry Potter but is conjuring the same feeling, it's a great time 
to pick up Rick Riordan. I'm sure that in between yeah. the decade span between uh, G- uh, George R R R R R R R Martin's uh, Game of Thrones books, I'm sure that uh, so many other fantasy series must be selling out just because people want to have some kind of methadone yeah. in between his books. Yeah. You know, so that's part of it. Not that J.K. Rowling was taking her time in between the books, but it's like you're being hit with a fire hose of content. That's part of it. That's being cynical. I mean, that's a sales thing. Uh, that's that's a human nature yeah, thing. I mean, specifically. That's entertainment since time immemorial. I mean, do you want to know how many Beatle ripoff groups were <laughs> flooding the world in the 60s? I mean, this is yeah. this probably goes back to the 1890s, probably. I think beyond that, though, beyond the obvious invitation, like I said, I'll, I'll go back to the fact that it is um, conjuring something that stood the test of time. You're personifying all these wonderful relationships that are either. There's so much importance given to the idea of Kronos, the Titan, continually squabbling with his um, children, you know, which is the founding myth of, of Greek mythology, how, you know, he ate his children and, you know, vomited them out. And, and it was the, you know, the the prophecy and all these things. And, you know, we're seeing that with the Thor, the the, the Asgardian mythology is all over the movies. And, they, you know, they've, they've carried it a little weirdly in that now it's off the grid. But, um, you know, they, they used it really well. I mean, as you know, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did from the beginning. It's, it's, you have all this stuff, all these pre-existing relationships. And even Wonder Woman cashed in a lot of the Greek myths, even if it, it falsified a bunch, but it used the concept of the Amazons and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's rock solid. I kind of feel like if you're getting in there and if you're giving a new point of view and the idea you got this, this everyman, this, this Percy Jackson kid who's in over his head trying to figure out how this stuff works, and then he steps into the middle of this ancient battlefield, there's something that makes it seem like the stakes are huge. Is, is, is it even valid to bring up the term that, like, Percy Jackson might be a, a Mary Stew? That, you know, like everybody just wants to navigate the Greek myths like there. Maybe you would love to see what it was like. And then you just pretty much have this empty vessel for you to put yourself in Percy Jackson to say, he's who you are. He's the power fantasy. And you get you get to put his shoes on and walk through the battlefields. Right. But that's that's the whole point of that kind of thing. Harry Potter serves that purpose. Billy Batson serves that purpose. To an extent, most superheroes serve that purpose. You know, that I feel like a powerless kid. I'll put myself in the mindset of this kid who has, you know, the bolt from beyond that shows he's a child of destiny and a child of power. And that's it's a very potent fantasy. Here's the one thing I will say. I'm going to throw it to you in a a second. But I would say that one thing I would not credit the success is, I think, Reardon's writing. And I'm not saying he's terrible, but I almost think it's immaterial how he writes. I think he, he hits something that's bigger than uh, the writing style could possibly be. Maybe. I mean, look, I don't, I don't think he's a great writer. I think he's serviceable. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. I got drawn in more than I thought I would. So why do I think this is popular? Well, I think the power fantasy is always potent, always, and maybe more so now, right? Because of the times we live in. You know, the idea of I'm a normal kid, I'm powerless, no one listens to me, no one pays attention to me. I don't get what I want. I don't exert my will. And suddenly discovering that you have this mystical destiny, so to speak, uh, is huge. I mean, that was totally my fantasy, man. Like I had a um, the super I think a lot of kids like us make up superheroes in our head. Mm-hmm. And the primary when we're kids and the primary superhero I made up was very similar to Captain Marvel Shazam. And by the way, those who don't know, the idea behind Captain Marvel Shazam is he's a He's a kid. He's like 14 years old. He's homeless or something. And he discovers, he goes down to the subway and there's an old wizard 
who says, say this magic word. And he says, Shazam! And a bolt of lightning comes down, and he turns into like a 25-year-old, basically Superman clone. Although Captain Marvel had some more, you know, some more... He, he had a little more god influences. He had the power of uh, some Greek gods. The kids like us, when we were boys, we felt like we had no power. So dreaming that, you know, we could secretly put on this costume and punch evil in the nose was really powerful. So I was saying that the superhero fantasy I had was very similar to Captain Marvel in that uh, I, I didn't even have a name for this character, but it was like me, a kid, puts on a costume and it, it like stimulates my glands or something and it turns me into basically Batman. I was a master of every fighting form and, and I had all these awesome weapons, you know, because Batman was always my favorite. And Harry Potter and to an extent this have the genius of stripping that of some of the like boy-centric things that superheroes had. I mean, I doubt Harry Potter appealed any more to one gender than another. M- mythological gods are a little more boy-centric. Yeah, I think so. But still, yeah, it's still, it's 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 not quite superheroes. So I'm sure there's some girl appeal there. You say the writing's immaterial. I can't believe that. I think it's good enough that it'll draw you in. Percy's a, he's a, he's a screw-up. He's a kid with problems. So he's easy to sympathize with. I mean, he's a little whiny. He's a little attitude-y, but it's easy to to root for him, even though he's a flawed character, even though he's damaged goods. You know, he hit upon something good. An interesting thing I read is that when he first wrote the manuscript, you know, he was a middle school teacher and he had some of his students read it and he incorporated their feedback. Yeah. And that's that's awfully smart. That's awfully smart. And I like to think he was a good teacher if he was able to interpret that feedback in a a beneficial way, a way that actually improved the work rather than, ah, these dumb kids don't know what they're talking about. Um, (laughs) You know? I don't know. That's that's how I would have. I like kids, but that's probably how I would have been. Hey, Dad, we're trying to save Camp Half-Blood and rescue a satyr named Grover. And we could really use your help getting to that ship out there. It's a hippocampus. So, Noah, if you were a kid today... And somehow you were uh, you were pervious to outside influence and didn't have your mind made up about everything already and knew that you were right. right. Would this right. break through? Would you be into this concept? Yeah, I think I would. I mean, it might not be my favorite thing. I remember reading a couple books about mythology when I was a kid and briefly having dalliances with being into it. Um, not the way, like, there's always that one boy in school who's, like, obsessed with it and knows every little detail. I was never that kid, but I had enough interest that I think I would have read this book and probably liked it better than Harry Potter because I've never, I've never been drawn in by magic and wizards and warlocks and all that. I mean, I don't know if I'd love it, but I, I'd like it. I'd read it. Well, it's funny you mentioned Harry Potter. I was just thinking, one of the things I made fun of for years, when I became aware of what it was, I, what, it was, was right after college, I guess, right? That's when it became the thing, like right after we got out of school. I was like, what the hell is this wizard shit? And then I said, what the fuck? Dumbledore? <laughs> Harry Potter? Mr. Barnbrack? It's like, this is the most English thing since Charles Dickens. I thought, is she just fetishizing the most English Anglo bullshit you could imagine? I, I, I just, like, without even having looked at a single minute of it i just thought to interrupt briefly uh, lightning thief percy jackson is set in the u.s yeah and another smart thing he did is he's like hey let's let's make these guys american i would have been into this for sure like i said it, it's in line with comic books 
It's power fantasy. It is a young white male with dark hair. Read me, who's doing all the uh, who's doing all the flipping and the, and the jumping and the stabbing here, which is great. <laughs> yes, who uh, has it? Who has an awful father figure? Yes, exactly, yeah. and a, a, a satyr for best friend, as I did when I was younger myself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this fit in with just about every other cartoon I was watching. Whether I loved it more than anything, that's a good question. I mean, I still think that when I was eight or nine, ten years old, G.I. Joe had its hooks into me. G.I. Joe and Transformers was more my thing. I got into toy commercials. And uh, <laughs> the Harry Potter and this, for instance, aren't nearly as toyetic as the stuff I really loved. It, it meant a lot to have the show showing the things, doing the adventures, and then have the pieces of it, the plastic yeah. on my actual... Um, in my toy box. That was, a, that was a bigger deal. I was taking a bit home with me. So something where I just watched it from afar and didn't have the home component might not have caught on with my imagination the way that the toys did. So I, it, it ticks off all the boxes. Whether, like I said, cynically or not, it is uh, definitely designed to invade my brain, just both on the topic and the execution. I would not have cared about the uh, pros, would not have cared about whether I thought it was clunky or cumbersome. None of that. Again, my eight-year-old brain, my 10-year-old brain doesn't have any kind of critical faculty. I just would have liked it on concept alone. Son of Poseidon, I used to date your daddy. I hear you have the lightning bolt. May I see do you think that the popularity of these books is an omen, a portent of doom? Is it a sign of the apocalypse? What do you think? <laughs> the fates are cutting a piece of string in front of yes. all of publishing and yes. pop culture. The furies will descend upon us. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, it, it, it would have caused the apocalypse a decade ago if it was going to. I don't appreciate the Harry Potter thing. I mean, I, I, I really don't like that... Uh, Overt imitation. I brought up Hunger Games and uh, Suzanne Collins because that, that's always bothered me. As much as I really, really like those movies, well, most of those movies, it always bothered me that it's like, Jesus, the, the original graphic novel is never going to get the credit for coming up with the idea. This is Harry Potter. And again, J.K. Rowling hasn't been spared a dime that should be coming her way. But this is just such an obvious imitation. I would, if it was a perfect world, Rick Reardon would have been punished somehow for just trying to nakedly <laughs> co-opt something. Even if he put this... Uh, he put where the, do you draw the line, though, Bill? Where do you draw the line? Well, there's a difference between imitation everyone's ripping off everyone else Come i hate on. that but that's fucking bullshit though i hate that especially God. if it's so obvious if someone is trying to like tell you uh you know this is this is they're not even trying to cover up their they're saying i came up with this idea this idea is originally mine i've not heard anything about rick reardon saying oh i was heavily i owe a debt of gratitude to joe Rowling for for the you know for opening the door with harry potter and this is this is an homage it's like no i'm not hearing any of that this is just like hey i came up with this great thing that you have no idea where it came from and any resemblance is is purely coincidental i'm not hitting this point hard no i'm i'm just saying <laughs> I, I, it, it always bothers me, but it's just this sense of fair play where it's like, man, get, get, either yeah. come up with your own thing or give full credit. Just give full credit to somebody else if you nakedly swiped so much of what they've done. And yes, you're absolutely right in that so much of art and pop art, especially Roy Lichtenstein got wealthy. Oh, no, no. He crossed a line in my Yes, life. that's what I'm saying. There's he, a big difference. He did. I no, got no. big problems with Roy Lichtenstein. Yeah. And, and uh, who's the other guy? Richard uh, Prince, I think. All those guys 
especially Roy Lichtenstein, who just lifted Gil Kane and uh, yep. John Romita. Giving them no credit. No credit And whatsoever. he was laughing at them. He was mocking them. He was. In my mind. Yeah. No. Oh, look how artistic. He took this garbage that no one regards as art, and yeah. he made it into art. That's, yeah. But that's, that's, Screw that's, Roy Lichtenstein. I have no <laughs> use for him. Sure. But that's it. I mean, that that's my apocalypse. And I mean, I don't need to say any more about that. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't I don't go as far. You know, the human being is a flawed animal. And he, the, the human being is always going to rip off other people in creativity. The, the rip off line. At what point is it something you castigate? And at what point is something you forgive? And I castigate Roy Lichtenstein for what I'm interpreting as intent. For what I'm inter- for for also the fact that people like Gil Kane, I think, didn't get the credit. Gil Kane is like one of the greatest comic book artists ever. Didn't get the credit and the fortune they deserve. I mean, I'm sure Kane did fine. For me, the Lichtenstein thing is more intent. Rick Riordan has done it in a relatively artful, competent way. I do not think this the 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 success of these books is a sign of the apocalypse. I think these books are more than good enough to say, I am glad when children read these things. Because I think it stimulates their imagination. You know, I said earlier that most of the comics I read as a kid were crap. And I believe that. I am still glad I read them. Because I am a firm believer that the kid who read comics grew up to be the kid who read real stuff. The smart kid. Yes, right? you're right. Yeah, I absolutely. I think even crappy comics, to a large extent, were, were positive stimulation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. If anyone else wants to die tonight, at least we have this. Noah, do you have any residual jealousy or envy at the uh, topic in question today? Uh, a little, yeah. I mean, I do think I envy Reardon's facility for assessing the marketplace, figuring out exactly what will connect in the right way in the right time and, and capitalizing on that. You know, mm-hmm. And like I mentioned that before, it's something I've sort of been trying. I don't want to get into the weeds with this sort of been trying with with my own creative work and not quite succeeding at least not yet yeah you know i I mean whatever i think he clearly works hard and has some skills so it's it's envy but i'm not gonna stay up nights crying over it but yeah like he he assessed the marketplace in a very effective way and and used the tools at his disposal and you know effectively and smartly and now i'm sure you know he probably doesn't have jk rowling money but i'm sure rick reardon if he wants to take a week in Hawaii, he's not uh, considering whether he can afford it. Scrimping on groceries that week, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I actually, yeah, I am, I am pretty envious of this guy. You know, I probably, I don't think I've ever told you this, but yeah, like you, I created a character when I was a teenager as well. I had oh, yeah. notebooks, notebooks filled up with, um, you know, written in longhand and blue, in blue ballpoint, ballpoint pen until I switched over to a, a PC. Yeah, and I, I wrote the character. All, I brought it to college, and I wrote. Uh, that was all my long form, you know, novel and storytelling, story writing and novel writing and screenplay. I, I brought the same character and I, you know, created a universe, essentially a comic book universe. And I always wanted to go into comic books when I was younger. That's I intended to do. I did so know I was, that. Yes, yeah. you know, that was an intern at Marvel in 1995. But I never got to go into comic books because the business cratered. But I always had the idea that that was where my heart lay. If there was anything I felt like I was decent at, it was, you know, living inside of comic books and trying to uh, tell a story in that capacity. So I ha- I still have, you know, it's this thing I've, I've consciously and unconsciously designed an entire universe. I have a book series in my head. I couldn't write it because I'm not a writer is the thing. I, I definitely don't have the acumen of a novelist. But I have a multi-book series 
uh, movies, uh, whatever you want, whatever your comic book series, <laughs> some form, there's a media ready to, to adapt it. And, and yes, it was in my head a series of books when I conceived it as a kid. And when I, you know, in college, I had sort of built myself into the impression that I was going to be a writer. So to see somebody else do something that I planned on doing, did not seriously consider it commercially I'd say for the mid '90s onwards, it is a little hackling to watch this thing, and and it is very, it, it's not the young boy has a power type thing that this guy came up with, but it is very much in the comic book milieu of superpowers and you know demi gods and demiurges and larger systems and and you know. Uh, like J.K. Rowling's great thing was like towards the end of that series, the last two or three stories were about like Harry Potter had these curtain pulls. It's like, oh my God, this thing that you thought was this thing is not this thing. And it was bigger and it was adult and you grew up with the books as they went along. And I really appreciate how she managed to add so much complexity and texture to that story. This guy is doing a little bit of that same thing too. And I had all these things in mind for for an abortive character and abortive series of storytelling that I never got to do. How often does that keep me awake at night? The answer is zero. It just rekindles some thing that I remembered thinking in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's the most that Rick Reardon, this son of a bitch could do to me. That's the most, the worst he could get me. Let's go get him, man. Let's go mess him up. We covered we it. Hit it. We're done with the lightning yeah. thief. We, we Are found you going to finish false. reading the book? No, there's no way I'm going to finish reading the book. It, it got a train ride up. <laughs> it got a train ride up and down to Yonkers out of me. And that's all it's going to get. Sorry. That's all I can do. Train ride up and down Yonkers. Isn't that the way it always goes? So, Bill, where can people hear back episodes of I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn pass? I am so glad you asked. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Everyone seems to like SoundCloud. I think it's the easiest way to do it. But iTunes, I guess, too, is yeah. also huge. Tweet to us, Noah and Bill Show on Twitter. Write to us old school at Noah and to Bill Don't Get It, gmail.com. Visit the website, I Don't Get It. Give us the goddamn reviews, you sons of bitches. I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. I'm on YouTube A.M. Caesar and my good buddy Noah. Uh, I'm all about the big quiz thing. Bigquizthing.com. Corporate and private trivia events nationwide. Busy times for us. Busy summer ahead. And you could sign our, you could join up our mailing list. You get trivia in your inbox every week. We got trivia on Twitter and Instagram at BigQuizThing and Facebook as well. And I'm at Noah Tarno on Twitter. I like it. Alright, so until the next, uh, Cheaply written, hackly produced book series comes up on this topic, everybody. <laughs> I, uh, I think we get it. I think we get it. I do think we get it in this case. I think we get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2018.